Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we are here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. Well, actually, we're not. We're in the Hamptons. Uh, I was out here this weekend for Memorial Day. And, of course, we want to give a big shout-out to everybody who um, served and lost their life protecting, defending, and just serving this great country of ours. And welcome to the weekend edition, the Memorial Day edition of This is America. And what I want to talk about today is a couple of different things. One of the things I want to talk about is Vice President Kamala Harris, who's under fire right now for saying, enjoy the long weekend. Now, of course, we say things like that all the time. It's quite appropriate to say, you know what, enjoy the long weekend when it's Labor Day. But I think all too often we forget that the reason that we're off is so that we can have a day of remembrance for those who lost their lives in service to this country. And I'm not trying to sound uh, holier than thou. I'm pretty sure this was uh, an innocent, innocuous uh, tweet. But I think the problem is when you are the vice president of the United States and you've got the former president, uh, Trump, who was such a big advocate, always visiting Arlington Cemetery, always visiting the, the graves of the fallen, the tomb of the unknown soldier. It's a tough act to follow because he really did care about those people. and I. I can't help but think maybe Kamala Harris doesn't care about those people. And I'm not trying to put words in her mouth or paint her to be more evil than she actually may be. I'm just trying to make the point that she's under fire. And I'm looking at this piece in Fox News. Foxnews.com says a headline, Vice President Kamala Harris under fire for, quote, disrespectful tweet. And this is uh, as of yesterday saying enjoy the long weekend that she put on her Twitter profile. Social media users condemned Harris and her lack of tact, reminding the vice president that this is a weekend where we commemorate the sacrifices and we honor those that have fallen. And of course, I'm not just here in the Hamptons having a good time with my family, but I'm also here because I wanted to um, support Curtis Sliwa in his run for New York City mayor. And John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis were uh, gracious enough to host Curtis at an event here uh, in the Hamptons at Southampton. So we'll get into that a little bit more in the next segment. But I wanna talk about what's going on with VP Harris, with Joe El Baboso Biden and so many others. And I think part of the, the problem here is that Americans I think are slowly waking up and realizing Joel Baboso Biden isn't really all he was cracked up to be. And I think many of us listening to this, we knew that. We saw this coming in. We realized, yeah, good old uh, Sleepy Joe, Creepy Joe. He's not uh, what, what he claims to be. 
But I think a lot of people are catching up to that. And people are having some buyer's remorse. And I, I think the reason I, I'm thinking that is because I see the difference on my social media. When I put something out there, people are less um, incendiary with their comments, those that disagree with me. I was looking at an article and somebody had commented that it was, um, you know, um, the Republicans that caused this January 6th uh, insurrection, blah, 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 blah. And they were, you know, responding negatively to the news that Mitch McConnell had nixed the idea and said, you know what, it, it, we, it doesn't pass muster for us. We are not voting for an independent commission. And this is something that I agree with, not because I support the Republicans, which I do, but it's because I think there was a police, in, a law enforcement investigation Right, the Capitol Police, the FBI, these people locked up a bunch of people. And we talked about that on this program. So if we had a bunch of people that have already been uh, investigated and arrested, that's the wheels of justice moving, even if it's unjust. Like a lot of these people have been in um, lockdown 23 hours a day since January. So five months we're talking about. But that being said, they're still caught up on this. And it was all because Hillary Clinton Right. Hillary Clinton made a tweet on Friday night, I think it was, saying that, you know, we're just going to pretend it didn't happen, that the Republicans caused this and that and that people died. And the, pr the problem is she was saying that an officer was killed. And of course, anybody who's awake knows. And by awake, I don't mean a euphemism for like being in the know, being woke. I'm talking about literally like if you're conscious, you know that no cop was killed on January 6th. A cop died on January 7th of a stroke. His family said that he had some issues the coroner said that he died. So I got into this back and forth with a friend of mine. And he's a dear friend, uh, an actual like personal friend of mine from sixth grade. And he feels that, you know, Republicans are to blame for this and that this cop is dead because of this. And I'm thinking, look, if I have cardiovascular problems, if I have heart problems, I have existing issues and I decide to get on the radio and some caller calls in and really gets under my skin and I have, God forbid, uh, a stroke as a result of this or the next day because I got so exerted or whether it's physical activity, mental activity, whatever it is. Can I turn around and say that that guy killed me and that I was murdered by this talk radio caller or by the guy that maced this cop? I mean, as far as the coroner says, it wasn't the case. And I'm not trying to trivialize anything. Cops have a tough job and I salute them. I do. You guys know that I have family that are law enforcement that I volunteered with the Nutley Police Department years ago. I have a lot of respect for the cops and I realize it's a tough job. So for, for somebody to just kind of come out of their face and say this cop is dead because of the riot is just it's unfair to this cop, I think, because he, he's doing a tough job. And because he had a stroke at my age, guys, 42, 43 years old, I think it's just unfair to that cop, to his memory, to his legacy, to his family. And we should really curtail or curb those types of comments because they're really just, in my opinion, unwarranted and unjust. But moving along, I want to talk about Noah Green, right? Because Noah Green actually did kill a cop, right? He murdered a cop. He took his car, he rammed it into a barricade at the Capitol, got out, swung his machete around, and he killed a cop, a Capitol police officer. Now that didn't happen on January 6th. And it just so happens that Noah Green wasn't a uh, white Republican. So he doesn't fit the narrative that so many people are trying to push. 
And I think that's part of the problem. But it reminded me of that. So I did a quick search and I found an article from Yahoo News. And the headline was, Noah Green, U.S. Capitol attacker, was supporter of Nation of Islam, had posted about Satan and called the U.S. government enemy number one of black people. Now, I know you remember this because it was just a month ago that this happened. But my point was, it's funny how nobody calls for an independent commission into Noah Green, who actually did try to breach the barrier at the Capitol. He drove his car into a police barricade, pulled out a machete, and an officer died as a result of this guy's attack. He murdered a cop. Yet, you hear nothing. Absolutely nothing. The media, one day, flash in the pan, but every day they want to say that cops are being killed. Hillary Clinton wants to complain that a cop was killed, and it's not true. She's lying about it. So I think that's part of the issue. And these lies are eventually going to catch up to everybody. And that's part of uh, the problem that I think we see cycling around and perpetuating. Now, I want to jump into this story about Curtis, but more so about the New York City mayor's race, because really that's what I want to focus on. And I was looking at a piece in New York Magazine, uh, May 28th, and it says Diane Morales, she's a candidate for mayor in New York City, and the implosion of the left in her New York City campaign for mayor. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. We're going to jump into that and a whole lot more. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right. Bienvenido. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. You can press one for English, press two for English, because we don't do the show in Spanish, although I'd love to. And there's a lot of requests for that, but we don't have that yet. And I want to talk about this article, like I said, is in New York Magazine, May 28th, Diane Morales and the implosion of the left in her New York City mayoral race. Now, what I find interesting about this, and it's a really long article, so I'm not going to cover everything. But to me, the most interesting part here is that her campaign, her staffers kind of walked out on her because she wasn't progressive enough. And uh, here's how the story goes. On Friday, campaign aides to Diane Morales, an unabashedly left-wing former nonprofit executive running for mayor in New York City, rallied in Bryant Park to protest an organization they described as fostering racism, sexism, and a hostility to unions. It was something many surely had done before many times. But what made them a center of attention on political Twitter all day long was that the protest was against the very candidate for whom they worked. After gathering in the park, the aides marched on the uh, campaign headquarters, carrying signs that said dignity, care and solidarity and union busting is disgusting. And WTF, Diane, the protesters slash employees called on Morales to recognize their efforts to unionize and to rehire terminated staffers and to, quote unquote, create a grievance process to create a neutral avenue for reporting workplace misconduct. Now, I don't even know what that sentence means because I'm thinking, is there an unneutral place, some sort of politically charged place if you want to have a complaint? Now, I can understand that because I worked in the Christie administration. I was a Republican gubernatorial appointee to the state government of New Jersey. And if people tried to ostracize me or sabotage me or anything, else because they were career, you know, the equivalent of the Washington deep state exists in Trenton. And as powerful of as a leader as Governor Christie was and the bluster and all of the bravado, none of that really mattered when you're outnumbered as a Republican in New Jersey. It's like 
10 to one, nine to one, something like that. So, I mean, you're always going to be outnumbered by the people that don't agree with you politically. And when they decide to take it out on you in the workplace, where do you go? to their Democrat friends to complain and say they're treating you the wrong way because you're a conservative Republican. Plus, it's not a protected class. It's not like I could say they treated me different because I was Hispanic or because of this or because of one of the protected uh, civil rights classes. So, you know, I, I can understand a little bit of that, but what is a politically neutral place or a neutral place for workplace uh, grievances? I don't know. But the walkout, as unprecedented as it was in almost any campaign for high office, let alone one for mayor of New York City, in the race's final days came as they were increasing questions about Morales' commitment to progressive causes, including the revelation that she had voted for Andrew Cuomo instead of six, uh, excuse me, Cynthia Nixon in 2018. And she was a supporter of charter schools. Well, guess what? I'm also a supporter of a charter school, of charter schools in general. I helped start a charter school in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is a tremendous success today. Big shout out to my buddy Brett Schundler and everybody on the board at the beloved community charter school in Jersey City, New Jersey. And the reason I like charter schools is because parents have a say. They're able to do it. The money follows the student. People say, oh, charter schools take away money from other kids. No, they don't. Listen, if your kid is going to public school and you say, you know what, I'm taking my kid out of school and I'm putting him in a charter school, that doesn't take away money from 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 the kids in the school. It takes away money from the school because the money that's assigned to that kid goes with the kid to the charter school. The money shouldn't be with the school to begin with. The money should be with the kid. Clearly, right? I mean, don't kids go to school to be educated? Schools are about kids. They're not about teachers. It's not about money and it's not about unions. But thereafter, Diane Morales, because she supported charter schools and God forbid, a, a self-professed progressive actually supports something that's good for students and let alone minority students in New York City. But anyway, it was revealed that she had bribed, been bribed by a city department of environmental protection inspection over an unpaid water bill, which led to her leaving her post as an official in Mike Bloomberg's uh, Department of Education. That subsequently led to questions about what exactly is this self-styled radical doing working for Mike Bloomberg anyway? Or why, after that, did she go and work as a nonprofit developer, et cetera, et cetera? So progressive activists began to wonder how Morales who has over the past few weeks become the it candidate of the city's left uh, representation in the race and how she seemingly missed most of the fights that they had engaged in over the last several years. Susan Kang says, we learned a lesson. She's an active member of the Democratic Socialists of America, also known as the DSA. She previously was a supporter of Morales. Now, you'll know the Democrat Socialists of America are socialists that want to see socialism in America. This is the group that supports my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all out crazy herself, AOC. This is her crew. And now you've got the all out crazy saying, no, 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 that's not quite enough. You know, so they're saying they've learned this lesson saying you don't go with an unvetted first time candidate who tries to claim the progressive mantle when you've never seen them before. Well, I can tell you, Ms. Kang, I don't know you for other than from this quote, but I will give you a tip. Don't eat yellow snow. I mean, how stupid do you have to be? Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. This woman is out of her mind. Of course you never go with unvetted candidate. 
why on earth would somebody say, oh, you're a progressive candidate? I'm going to go with you. The reason he was going to do well in the New York City uh, uh, Republican primary for mayor. The reason being, Curtis Lee has been around forever and a day. And I've told this story before, and I'll give you the truncated version of it right now. Curtis Lee, well, when I was a kid, I remember seeing guys get into a, uh, a kerfuffle, if you will. And they were about to break out into fisticuffs on the subway. My mom was with me. I was, you know, a little rotund, little, you know, seven, eight years old kid. And she pulled little Richie closer to her rib cage, put me under her mama wing to protect me from these guys, uh, to describe it, Italian guy, slicked hair, you know, hair slicked back, black leather jacket, uh, then African-American guy. I think he was wearing like a, um, like a Yankees jacket or something like that. And, you know, he was putting his hand under his jacket by his waistband, kept saying, I'm going to blast you. I'm going to blast you, you know, uh, intimating that he had a gun. And the other guy was like, I don't care if you've got a gun. And he pulls out an actual switchblade. You hear it. He whips it out. It's right there. It's middle of the day. You know, we were riding from Kings highway to like DeKalb Avenue on the um, D train. And it was just really interesting to, to see this whole thing go on. And, you know, it was alarming. So my mother, you know, after the thing calms down, nothing really goes down while we're there. We get off and she goes, you know, I'm surprised there's no guardian angels here because they're everywhere. And that guy, Curtis, he's done such a great job keeping the subways safe. She didn't mention the police. She didn't mention the miserable job that Mayor Dinkins was doing. She mentioned Curtis Lewa and the excellent work that the guardian angels were doing. You know, my brothers who were older than me, they always mentioned the guardian angels and they knew these guys meant business because Curtis even building the guardian angels, it was a community service, right? In many ways, these guys were not like the geeky kids from, from the chess club. You know, Curtis got these guys that came home from Rikers Island were in the projects and was like, look, you want to turn your life around or you want to stay on the street. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck. That's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And they were like, what are you talking about, Sliwa? And that's it. He got him involved, got him into martial arts training, taught them about self-discipline and how to use you know, their command presence to keep places safe, to chase drug dealers away from certain corners, to keep neighborhoods cleaner and safer in New York City, and so that people could ride the subways and be safe. Now, speaking of the subways, one of the points that these guys came up with, and I say these guys, I'm talking about Fernando Mateo, who we'll eventually have on the program if we can get a hold of him, and Curtis Lee, who we've had on before, but not really as a candidate, although he did kind of allude to it when he was announcing but uh, I'd like to have them on if I can. Curtis Sliwa, he um, has a, a tremendous resume, I think, that really kind of precedes him. And Matteo, they were on New York One for a debate two nights ago, and I didn't grab any audio of it. And if Mr. Jizzle is kind enough to find some and put one in there, you can hear a clip of it now. But if not, I can describe it to you with... Simply saying it was a shouting match with Mateo having no ammunition, in my opinion, just constantly going after Curtis, saying, Curtis, you're lying. Curtis, you're this. Curtis, you're that. Curtis responds by holding up a picture of Fernando Mateo, who is running for the Republican nomination for mayor of the city of New York with a, a big grin, a very, a very happy picture of him and Bill El Bobo de Blasio. 
um, I should actually say Bolshevik Bill de Blasio, right? He, he was there with him because he had bundled a bunch of money for him. Now his, his response to that was, look, I was a businessman. I bundled money for everybody. And I understand that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I get it. I, a lot of guys do it. But that was the, the uh, figurative slugfest that these guys had on New York One. And I've got to say, to me, this was a hands-down win for Sliwa. Now, mind you, I'm biased. I, I think Sliwa is the right guy for the job. And uh, I, I put you know my support behind him. But it doesn't mean I discount what other people have to say. I think we should listen to what everybody has to say. Now, speaking of what Sliwa has to say, yesterday, uh, I'm, we're doing the show right now from the Hamptons, recording it live as for a podcast. And we were at Capri Southampton. I was there with my lovely daughters. We had a really good time. I saw lots of great people, lots of uh, people I had not seen in a while, lots of new faces, people that I'd met, listeners to the show. So thank you all. Big shout out to everybody that was at Capri. And one of the things that Curtis brought about was really the, the wholesome approach to, to bringing back New York. He was inviting expatriated New Yorkers who'd moved and left and made the Hamptons their home or other parts to say, you know what, give New York a chance. Let's make it better. His catchphrase was improve, don't move. And I liked it because it's kind of my philosophy on America and American government. I am a hopeless romantic when it comes to America. I love America. I'm an eternal optimist. I believe in what's good for America. And I believe that our better days are yet to come, that this might be a rough patch for America, but it's going to get better. And I think Curtis sees that same type of renaissance for New York City. So he, he talked about not only getting rid of the homeless, that's my word. He talked about helping the homeless, treating the homeless, helping to holistically meet the needs of these homeless New Yorkers so that they can be well. It wasn't just about eradicating a homeless problem, which is quite frankly the way I would look at it. It was about helping those New Yorkers. And this is something that I know is true to his heart because I've seen him in action. When my family had a business in uh, Penn Station, I would be there, especially during Christmas time when I was helping out. And I would see Curtis Sliwa down there with um, baby wipes and little uh, sandwich bags and giving them out, you know, sandwiches, handy wipes, hand sanitizer, all sorts of stuff to the people that were there, people that were forgotten, people that, you know, many of us think are invisible. We just walk right by them because they become, they're like furniture in Penn Station. There's so many homeless people. But Curtis has a different view. Now, I'm not saying vote for Curtis because he's Mother Teresa. No, I'm saying vote for Curtis because he's got a clear outlook. He understands the streets. He understands the subways. On that debate that he had with uh, Fernando Mateo, one of the points that uh, Mateo brought up was that we need to have more cops on subway platforms. And I thought, yeah, decent idea. Uh, however, that's currently the case. And you've got people saying, where are these cops? They're nowhere to be found. I think Sliwa's idea is a little better because guess what? There's not cameras in every single train as far as I know. So all hell could break loose on a subway car and nobody's going to know. There's no witness. It's very difficult. Sliwa says, let's get cops on the actual train cars. Now, I agree with this idea because I think that's how you should be patrolling. And guess what? That's how the guardian angels patrolled. So if just on a simple point like that, I would say, this is the guy that we need in charge. And, you know, something else he mentioned was he would use the Rudy Giuliani playbook. And he's got access, obviously, to America's mayor, uh, former mayor Rudy Giuliani, who just celebrated a birthday. So God bless you, Mr. Mayor. Happy birthday to you. And I think Curtis also hit a home run 
when he was just talking about the, the, the compassionate approach to cleaning up New York, to ending the um, shelters that kill the animals. And again, this is an, an, not a huge New York specific issue, but it's one that tugs at the heartstrings. And through his Guardian Angels Animal Protection Division, he's made a lot of headway with rescuing animals, sheltering those animals, fostering them, getting them new homes. So my point is his Guardian Angels Safety Patrol has done so many things. And, and these are just a few areas where he's made these inroads. Uh, Diane Morales, who, in my opinion, is not the most most serious candidate. I mean, she I'm sure she's taking her campaign seriously. I just don't know that she's going to do really well. Um, I think she's seeing this implosion because she's not as left leaning as she ought to be. I think Eric Adams, who might be a little bit more moderate, he's also kind of taking a more uh, hard left position to try to win this primary. And I think what you got to do is just be genuine. And that's something that I think Sliwa is, and I think he's got it nailed there. So keep an eye out for him. Curtis Sliwa for mayor.com is the website. Uh, I'll try and post the websites for these other folks on my social media so you can have them as well. And you can compare and contrast and make your own decisions. But it was a great event. The Hamptons is nice. It was a couple of pockets of cloudiness, and now it's raining. Anyway, keep it locked right there. I got one more thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap this up. So don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back, America. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And I want to thank you, everybody who's reached out uh, for, you know, whether it's words of encouragement or just comments on social media. Thank you, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S. And um, big shout out to all of my peeps on the Real Talk Tour, realtalktour.com. Looking forward to joining them at the... LA stop, the Miami stop, and uh, working out the details, maybe a Houston stop or one of the other Texas um, stops. But in addition to that, and we're also having the New York stop of that tour, which is going to be right in Manhattan. So I'll give you the details on that as we get closer to it. But I think it's a mistake for the Republican Party, especially Republicans in DC, for any of us to think that they are spineless cowards. Now, if you're thinking, no, 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 Rich, don't tell me you're a rhino. No, I'm just saying I think it's a mistake for you to think that they are spineless cowards because they cherry pick every single fight that they want to get into. They choose what they want to defend. This is politics. So I think it's our prerogative to cherry pick who we send to Washington. That's got to be key because if we don't cherry pick who we send to Washington, we get stuck with whoever's available. Whoever wants to be there, picking and choosing the fights they want to get into. Now, listen, I am the same guy that says, look, you can't always, you know, you can't be a talk radio host and a congressman at the same time. I can talk about all the conservative issues I want to. I don't have to deal with other members of my caucus. I don't have to cut deals. I don't have to do any of that. I can just say I believe in limited government. I believe in, uh, you know, telling the government to get off my back and out of my pocket. Like Ronald Reagan said, I believe in that. But that's not always how you can govern in Washington. And I realize there's compromise. I realize that there's political wins and losses. So what happens? These guys get caught up in the mix. But one thing that you've got to be secure of is you got to look at guys, you know, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. They may not get it right every single time, but for the most part, they're reliable conservatives. You know that what they truly believe, their true north, is conservatism. Whether it's exactly the same brand of conservatism that I espouse or that you espouse, that remains to be seen. But the key thing here is that we put somebody that we can trust. Now you've got this handful of guys that are 
very wishy-washy. Mitt Romney, um, Kinzinger, and I'm just, you know, Senate and the House. And there's a whole bunch of them, Susan Collins, et cetera, et cetera. These are the people that we need to keep an eye on. I would very much encourage people in those areas to primary them, to go against them. If you can't do it, put some money toward it, try to build a coalition around it, join a coalition that's already going, because we have to make that difference. Otherwise, you get stuck with the tyranny of wearing a mask. Now I'm saying that figuratively tongue in cheek, but I got to tell you, Friday, was the first day of New Jersey's no mask policy. And I was giddy like a little kid at an amusement park when I got to walk into 7-Eleven without a mask. I mean, I was really, you know, butterflies in my stomach and everything. It was a glorious moment. And, and I just ate inside a McDonald's here in Long Island, New York. Wow. Didn't need a mask. I mean, if I sound a little ridiculous, that's okay. Maybe you're listening from Florida and you're thinking, I haven't been in a, in a situation that requires a mask in months. And I know Florida has been free forever. It's like a different planet. But those of you who are on the East Coast or maybe in other parts of the, the country that know that some of these serious tyrannical mask uh, requirements have been uh, on top of you, it's great to know that New Jersey is once again a little bit more free, that New York is once again a little bit more free. And I was just really, I felt like I felt like I was in Florida, but I was in New Jersey. You know, it's interesting. I heard on the radio that kids might be able to participate in summer camp this year without a mask. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that you would, you know, get excited at news that you don't have to put a mask across your face in order to uh, continue to participate in a summer camp activity. I think that's just crazy. But last thing I want to talk about is um, what we talked about on Newsmax. I was on Newsmax on Thursday and I am on uh, several Thursdays per month, a couple of Thursdays a month, and on National Report with Emma Reckenberg and Sean Kreisman. And big shout out to them and the bookers and everybody else that uh, hooks that up every week. It's an honor for me to be on there. I really enjoy it. And the topic this week that we talked about was how the Democrats, Chuck Schumer in particular, was saying, you know, we're tired of the Republicans slowing things down. And what he's talking about is spending more money, Biden's $6 trillion budget proposal with an increase to $8 trillion by the year 2031. So if we put this in perspective, Biden wants to spend $6 trillion this year. The last several years have been about $4 trillion and nobody's like those. What makes Biden think that we're going to, yay, $6 trillion sounds terrific. And raising that to $8 trillion by the year 2031, this is clearly going to put America in a very difficult situation where not only my children, but my children's children are going to have debt up the wazoo. because. Who can keep up with that kind of spending at the federal level? Nobody can. But this is what we talked about. And my thinking was Chuck Schumer, you know, I don't know who he thinks he's fooling, but going on TV and, and giving interviews and saying that it's the Republicans that are, you know, slowing things down and that you're going to, you know, force reconciliation, the congressional budget reconciliation uh, process in order to push the budget along. It sounds like a threat more than a complaint. It doesn't sound like you're looking for a bipartisan solution, looking to work with the other side, looking to respect the will of the American people. It sounds like you're a totalitarian, authoritarian politician that's saying, look, we're going to do this with or without you. 
bottom line, no matter what, we're doing what we want to do. And all I can say is, listen, Mr. Schumer, Senator Schumer, you're not my daddy. You don't tell me what to do. You're not the daddy of the American people where you can just sit here and, and make these blatant threats that if you don't go with what we say, we're going to ram reconciliation down your throat. So I say you're full of crap. You're incredibly full of crap. You've never been so full of crap as you are right now, trying to pretend like you're some sort of impartial arbiter. Chuck Schumer, no thank you. Now, listen, I know Chuck Schumer, not personally, but uh, when I was a kid, I talk about this often on the show, and I would ride around the block on my bike, Avenue M, Ocean Avenue. He was in government back then, and he would walk up and down Ocean Avenue because he had an office, if I'm not mistaken, or at least it was a Democrat office over on Kings Highway and, and right off of Ocean Avenue. So I would see him walking up and down the block. My mother always made sure, Richie, make sure you say hello to Mr. Schumer. And he would, you know, mess up my hair, you know, trying to be funny. My mother would say hello. We were always very polite. And, you know, he'd make sure he'd say, hey, Louisa, landlord treating you good here. All right, take care. He's a real man of the people. At least he tried to portray himself that way. He was. He, we, we saw him often. Uh, Chuck Schumer is a very experienced and successful politician. Even if you don't agree with his politics, he knows what he's doing. And that's why we've got to watch him because guys like that, they, they're snakes in the grass. They know how to smile in people's faces and then create massive amounts of debt and do things that are contrary to the will of the people. This is why I always say we have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And of course, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So I say, rise up, not in a violent way, of course not, but tell Chuck Schumer that he's full of crap. Tell your local township supervisor or your town council or whatever it is, tell them they're all full of crap and be about it. Run against them, fund a campaign against them, go knock on some doors so that your neighbor could run against them. The government needs a constant reminder and they have to be replaced. This is just something that we cannot escape. I think it's imperative if we're going to have America move forward, we're going to have to have lots more activists in, uh, in our midst. We need people that are going to be willing to do the work that has to be done and not waiting for someone else to do it. So hasta la próxima, America. God bless you. Again, a big Memorial Day salute to everybody that's um, lost their lives and to the loved ones and family members of those that have fallen. We salute you. Until the next time, America. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register.